I do not know what you all did this afternoon, but I've had some unusual requests for tonight. I better be loud. I better be preaching some hell, damn, hell fire, and damnation sermon. So I don't know what you all did. But whatever it is, don't do it. The song that we just sung, Angry Words, are a lot easier to, to sing than it is to live. Not hard to fall into angry words, but never knowing the consequence and the damage that may be done over something that was really insignificant at the front. And then to jeopardize a soul and eternity with God by the harboring of harsh feelings towards one another. James, as he's writing in his book, is addressing practical Christianity. Things, we, excuse me, things that we need to do, things we need to practice in a life that we live. We look in James chapter 4, verses 1 through 10. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your own desires for pleasure, that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have, because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive, because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously, but it gives grace, more grace, therefore he says, resist the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God resists the proud and gives grace to the, hum to the humble. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Notice all those words and phrases that begin with the concept that there is something that you need to do. God is willing. God is able. God loves his people, desires what is best for them. Sometimes the lessons that are best for us come the hard way. Some of us have been known to be a little bit hard-headed. Sometimes it takes a hammer and a chisel to try to get something in there that will stay. But the love of God is intended 
to melt the heart, to soften the soul, and to cause it to want to seek after the Creator, the Father, and the Savior who has prepared a place for us in eternity in heaven. Where do wars and fights come from among you? He's talking to brethren, talking about brethren. The psalmist reminds us in Psalm 133 and verse 1 how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It was hard back then, it's still hard today at times. How pleasant it is when we can learn to dwell together in unity. But we have problems. It's called the individual and the ego. The individual in a desire of pleasing self. We live in a world that teaches that all the time. Please yourself. Do the things that you want to do. Go where you want to go. Prepare for what you want to do in the future. Lay the groundwork for it and all of it is to say, here is what you need to do to enjoy your life here. Without telling you, there's always a price tag. And he brings that out in verse 4. There's always a price tag for pursuing the pleasures of this world. And when you consider the price tag, it's to cause you to reflect a little bit about what needs to be done. Reach that stage in life when I see prices of cars and vehicles. I'm at the point where I hadn't bought one until we moved here, but it's time I can remember. You used to be able to buy houses for those prices. And not only could you buy houses for it, you could mortgage them for 30 years. They want you to buy that car and pay it off in five years. And as soon as you drive it off the lot, it's already lost $10,000 been on the vehicle. A house usually appreciates, but cars depreciate from the time you sign that dotted line. But listen to all those car ads out there. Wow, they are something else. The enticement to get you to try to, to buy into. Watch some of those ads, and I don't see where they have anything to do with buying a vehicle. But that's what they're all about. The sly of hand gets you to move in another direction. But there's a price to pay. But there is a reward to be gained by serving God and denying the things of the world. And that reward is eternal. It never diminishes and will always be there. We have war in our members. We have war in our heart. It's where the problem lies, not the the one that ticks. It's the heart up here, the mind. There's where the war is being waged. They've always had the problem. It started in the Garden of Eden, did it not? All the trees that were available. And what does Satan do? Hones in on one. 
that is forbidden. And he has not changed his tactic. We have a world that it hones in and it tries to find whatever it is that you will be enticed by. Be it the home, be it the car, be it the prestige in, in a company, whatever it may be. And we usually tend to forget why we're longing for that, how temporal it really is, and how quickly it tarnishes. We lust and do not have, so we murder. It's amazing what we will do. Humanity, it's amazing what humanity will do to one another, simply because they want something. And again, as James is, write, James is writing to Christians, that hits the church as well. We want something. Prestige, recognition, the good job well done, whatever it is. Be noted for what you're able to do. And we'll wage war against one another. Don't like the way they did that? Why do we have them up there? Somebody else could do it better. So we bite and devour one another. James says it ought not to be. And again, when we get down to verse 4, he's going to tell you why. We have all the wrong actions to bring in the battle. Rather than striving for the unity, or as James would close out, the humility. What do you have that you did not receive? Really, what do you have that you did not receive? And if you received it, why do you act like you have not received it? Why do you act like you achieved it? You gained it. Whatever you have, it's been given to you. From the life that you have, to the world that you live in, to the things that take place in your life, we're never fully aware of how many things are being done by individuals that touch our lives. It's to make it possible for us to achieve anything, if you will. So why do we want to boast about what we have achieved without giving God the glory for the blessings that he's given? It's him that we need to be aware of. We fight, we war, we don't have because we do not ask. And I've always said when I'm teaching on James, I said, James is, I'm going to say he's smart. <laughs> he's inspired by God, so he is smart. You, don't, you do not have because you do not ask. So verse 3 anticipates the response of human beings, does he not? If you do not have because you do not ask, what are you thinking? Let me ask. You know, I, I'm not going to have it if I ask. Let me ask. And let me do what the asking. You ask and do not receive. Because you ask amiss. That you may spend it on your pleasures. Isn't that not life? Is that not how the world views it, if you will? And is that not what we get caught up in in our lives? 
We do things because they are pleasant, do we not? We tend to avoid the things that are somewhat unpleasant. And so the things we ask for, the things that would make life easier for us, whatever that may be, without thinking of what it may do. Sometimes it takes a while for us to learn. Growing up, there's all types of food that you were fed, and some of you still don't like broccoli. Mine is rutabagas. I don't like those things. I want no part of them. Had them by the ton when I was growing up. They say your taste buds change as you grow older, but I'm not taking any chances. <laughs> I prefer to choose the things I like. But see, that's the way we are, is it not? But is that the way God would want us to be? Is it what I like? Is it what I want to do that matters? Or is it what does it bring, what glory does it bring to God? And how does it lift his name up? How does it cause another to see there's something about Christianity that is worth exploring? And that may mean that may mean an inconvenience for us at times. But if we have not figured it out, and we should by now, that life usually does not go always the way that we'd like it to go. And some of those things that we thought were bad have turned out to be fairly good. Some of them turned out to be fabulous. We may not have thought so at the time. But do we trust God in working his will out and doing the things that he would have us to do? The fact that James, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, And writing to Christians would state what he does there in verse 4. Adulterers and adulteresses. Wow. Christians, do you hear what he's saying? You're going outside of the happiness that God provides to satisfy your own desires. You're going outside of what God wants. You've made a choice. Rather than listening to God, you're going to pursue what Satan is offering out there. Look at that tree. Isn't it lovely to look at? Its fruit is to be desired, and it'll make you like wise like God. Why would you not want that? And not see the rest of of the Garden of Eden. Look what they missed. When the focus was centered on what God has said no, look what they missed. And it works that way in our life. There's so much that we miss when we focused in on self and what pleases us. I fail to see all that God has provided. Spiritually, a family. Physically, a world that is beyond comprehension. A galaxy that is beyond comprehension. 
and a heaven that we cannot even dream about. Why would I want to miss that? Because of something else. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? That word enmity has a meaning of a deep-seated hatred. That's how God views those who have and choose not to keep. It's a deep-seated hatred with God when you choose to become an adulterer or an adulteress. When you choose to go outside of what God has provided. We live in a world that says, this, do whatever you want to do, but you want to, if it makes you feel good, go for it. If you do not have it, go, go get it. It gets at times when you really don't even want to turn the news on. It's always bad news. Very seldom is it good news, but usually it's bad news. Just look at what has taken place in our communities. The things that are taken, the, the, the brassness of individuals of going for things that are not theirs. And causing the loss of life to others, some to themselves. For what? What did they get out of it? And how much is it going to matter again for into eternity? Whoever wants to be a friend of the world has made himself an enemy of God. And you think about that one as well. If you read Genesis 1, as well as the other passages, Psalm 19, 1 and 2 and following, you read of the power of God. And you consider being under or can, being considered an enemy of that one. We have enemies in the physical realm, communities, country, the world. We have the threat of nuclear warfare. But you consider being an enemy of God. Read 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 7 through 9. God will come. The Lord will come with his mighty angels in flaming fire. Listen to him. He will come with his mighty angels in flaming fire, dealing out retribution upon those who do not know God and upon those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And these will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of our Lord forever. Wow. Consider that. And you're going to choose that because you got in your mind somebody slide me Somebody didn't respond to me. Somebody did something I didn't like. And I'm going to hate them. I'm going to plot to get even with them. 
I'm going to say, I don't trust you. And I'm not going to trust you. And I'm going to do that and lose eternity with God? Make yourself a friend of the world. The world is passing away. And all its lust, it's going to be gone. We need to choose carefully on what it is that we ought to be doing. Verse 5 says, Or do you not know, or do you know that the Scripture says in vain? We think that the Scripture says in vain, The Spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously. I like what the New American Standard words it. I'll find it eventually. And when I find it, I'm going to put on cheaters. Or do you think that the Scripture speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires the Spirit which He has made to dwell in us. I love that. Do you think that the Scripture speaks to no purpose? What do you think you have the Scriptures for? Are they just speaking in the air and have no value? He jealously desires the Spirit which He has made to dwell in you. God wants that Spirit that's in you to stay in you. He jealously guards that Spirit. Do you not understand then the help that you have in living that Christian life? It's not hard to do it. It is if you try it on your own and you cannot do it on your own. It's not hard to live the Christian life when you have God helping you do that. When you've got the Spirit of the Word of God or the, the, the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God helping you, giving you the strength that you need. We've been sealed with the Spirit of promise. We're His. Don't you believe, do you not believe that God wants that Spirit to dwell and to prosper? He wants you to be faithful in His service. He's provided what you need to be able to do that. How often do we draw on it? Or how often do we say, I've got to do this on my own. I've got to figure this out on my own without trusting God and helping you to do that. God gives more grace. Therefore, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, here's one of those words. Therefore, you submit to God. He's already done his part. Provided salvation for you. You responded to it. Now you are a child of God. He's caused His Spirit to dwell in you. You have that. You need to submit to God. And you need to resist the devil. But how many times do we struggle with that? Many of you are old enough to remember Flip Wilson and his TV character Geraldine who always went out and bought dresses, whatever it was, and her saying it response was what? The devil made me do it. There is no irresistible spirit. Did you hear me? 
There is no irresistible spirit, God or Satan. Neither one is irresistible. God will not make you do something. The devil will not make you do something. You choose whose voice you will listen to. Sometimes I hear people say, well, if I'm about to do something wrong, God stop me. You need to learn to stop you. There's some roads you do not need to go down to. Some things you already know you need to resist. The world tells you that, do they not? If you're having a problem with anything up and down the line, any drug addict or alcoholism, they tell you, you've got to stay away from it. Those who have been down that road will tell you, once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. All it takes is one. And you can lose all those years you fought against it. You have to submit to God. And you have to resist the devil. That's on you. That's your choice. God is there. Satan is there. Satan is painting his picture. And one thing you know about Satan to begin with, he's a liar. It doesn't matter what he says, what he promises, he's a liar. He's the father of lies. He's not going to tell you the truth. Again, just look at the world. Look how many people he's hooked. You wish they've never gone down that road. How many people I've talked to have made that statement? I wish I never started down that road. Whatever it was. But there's always hope. The power is there. The question is, will we choose to use it? Resist the devil, he will flee from you. How do you submit to God? Draw near to God. And he will draw near to you. Draw near. Spend time with his word. Draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. Get that word planted up here. So that there's something up there that draws. This is not a vacuum up here. Despite what you may think. This is not a vacuum up here. It's going to be filled. The choice is, what are you going to fill it with? If you're going to stop doing things of the world, you're going to have to start doing things for God. You're going to have to fill the mind. The scripture reminds us of the man who cleaned his house of the evil spirit, but did not fill it back up with something good. The evil spirit came back with seven more, and the last state was worse than the first. And that oftentimes will happen to individuals. You're going to have to fill the mind. You're going to have to determine what you're going to put up there. God will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Clean up the life with the help of God. 
Purify your hearts. Singleness of heart. Do not be double-minded, double, have a devil standard in your life. Have a singleness of heart. I want to please God above all else. Lament and mourn, turn your laughter into mourning, your joy to gloom. Why? Because you need to humble yourselves. The laughter and the joy is because I'm happy. But do I understand who I am? That servant of God. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. And he'll lift you up. May not be when you want to be lifted up. Not be, may not be how you want to be lifted up. But he will lift you up. And if it is not until that final day, then so be it. Be his servant. As long as there's breath in your body. We mentioned Elvis Williams and the rough road that she had. Larry had mentioned that she had been fighting for the last two years and that she had not been home in a year. Had not been home in a year. Had been in hospitals, nursing homes, rehabs, whatever else it may be. Wherever she was, she would deal with. She'd work with. She'd work with where she was at, doing the best that she could do, helping others along the way. And yes, towards the end, her thought was, it's time to go home. But I know God is not ready yet. But it is time to go home. What will the end of life be for you? Not knowing when that's going to be. When, what will it be? Is it going to be a life that is lived in such a way that there is no fear of death, no dread of death, that there is an anticipation? That's hard to for humans, I guess, if you will. Hard for humans to work with. An anticipation. Because it's not an end. It's a victory to a new beginning. Do we see it that way? Jesus is tenderly calling. It's how he always calls. He always calls in a tender way. Always been described as that perfect gentleman. He never goes where he's not invited. And he never stays where he's not wanted. Again, the choice will always be yours. You invite him. And you encourage him to stay. He will. He will always be there. But it is a soft and a tender voice. That means you have to be listening. For that voice that you can hear only through his word, then you have to be willing to surrender to his will. But you look at your life and your heart this evening, where is it? Where is it in the light of God? If you need to make a change, if we could assist you, we could help you.
Indeed, we bid you to come as together we stand and sing. <laughs>